Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. If you are a parent that also happens to be single, I'm sure you have come into a lot of different internal conversations and external conversations about dating. And right now there are apps for everything. Like, let's be real. You can literally download an app that helps you select a paint color for your home. You can find an app that helps you design art or, you know, what movies to go to. There are so many apps out there that help you in your life. But up until now, single parents haven't had a dating app specifically designed for them, but now they do. It's called Stir. This is the only dating app for single parents. And I know I've been there. And while I didn't have an app like this at the time, I'm so passionate about people who are parents who also happen to be single, finding a place to land that maybe makes them feel a little bit more comfortable in the dating scene. Because STIR is a place where single parents can just be single. STIR is where you're excited to share on your first date that you have a daughter in the third grade. It's not something that you have to like surprise pop up like, oh, also I'm a parent. Oh, also I have three kids. No, this is definitely part of who you are. And STIR is where you don't have to apologize for having a really wild schedule. Um, Mine's all over the place. And I remember when I was dating how uncomfortable it made me and almost apologetic it made me that I didn't really have a lot of availability and they had to find a way to work themselves into my life. And you know what? It worked out for me. And so I love that STIR really creates a safe space for conversations like that. STIR is the app designed for parents who just happen to be single. Download STIR or tell your single friends to try it out. Let's get back to today's show. And I don't know, maybe this is like your chance to download it and go on a really incredible date and share about your kids and have a really great time. I love that for you. Let's get back to the show. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. I have this really cool opportunity today because I actually have an engineer from Dyson here. And we're going to talk about being a woman in tech. We're going to talk about encouraging young girls into things like tech and STEM and engineering. We're also going to talk about some of the projects she's worked on, some things that I might love that you might love. I have worked with Dyson over the last couple of years. I was a fan first. I was a customer first, but it has been truly one of the cooler things about being a creator with them is you kind of get all of this like background knowledge on you know, why it works the way it does and just like really cool like consumer information that maybe when you're buying something, typically I just like see it on TikTok or Instagram and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But to actually find out a lot of the details and truly the engineering that goes behind some of these products, I don't know. I'm just really stoked to have this conversation and welcome on Neve Turner, who, like I said, is an engineer at Dyson. 
I'm just, I wish, I wish I could open this up for all of you to ask questions too, because I have a million burning questions already. So please enjoy today's show. All right, Neve, thank you so much for joining me today. I am buzzing with curiosity because I think like so many people, there is just like the world of Dyson is so, I don't know. It's like it, it almost feels like it doesn't even make sense. And you, I spent my whole life being like, it can't be that good. <laughs> and then you're like, why is it like, why is it so good? So first of all, just thank you for being here. Thank you for um, the conversation about like women in tech and letting me be curious about Dyson, but introduce yourself and how you sort of got into the position that you're in today. Yeah, of course. Happy to. So hello, everyone. I'm Neve Turney. I'm an engineer at Dyson. So I'm based in the UK in a little town called Malmesbury, which is in the southwest of England. And I work for Dyson in the hair care category, which is obviously very exciting. So I have been at Dyson now just over five years. I started when I was 19 years old and I started on the new, newly introduced engineering program, which is the Dyson Institute of Engineering and Technology. So I actually joined Dyson to study for my engineering degree, which was really exciting. So it was a, a newly introduced degree apprenticeship offered to young students having just finished their upper school or high school studies. So yeah, age 19, I joined straight away, thrown in at the deep end as an undergraduate studying for my engineering degree while also working on real life projects at Dyson my first project actually was the Dyson Air app so you can imagine like when I joined at 19 years old as a girl with very long hair at the time I was just amazed by it and I was so excited to be able to share it with my sister my friends and my family and just be able to say you're going to love this like it's amazing yeah. Now, did you always, I'm going to talk about the air app in a second because I got to have a whole <laughs> section of time for that. But did you know, like you started at 19 in this. So did you know before that, were you always like somebody who you knew that you wanted to get into engineering or tech in some regard? It just isn't, I think a lot of times, like I have this conversation a lot with my kids, like especially my daughters. So I'm like, I should get into tech. Like just get, like, just, just think about it. Yeah. And it's just a hard one to sell when there's all these like bigger jobs that feel like they have like loftier titles or just often aren't presented as feminine or something that girls would really do, but there's so much opportunity there. So where did it really start for you that like as a young girl or even as a teenager that you realized that there was opportunity in tech or that's something that you genuinely wanted to be a part of? Yeah, that's actually such an interesting question because I don't remember a specific moment where Mm. it kind of clicked for me but I think there's been indications that I've kind of been desiring this sort of tech and this problem solving throughout my entire life and kind of as far as I can remember I've always had this curiosity and I think generally speaking all children kind of embody curiosity they look at the sky they're like why is the sky blue Mm. why do why do they design it like that and I think children naturally have that because that's how they learn But I think one thing that holds true is that engineers and people who work in tech generally don't lose that. And they don't lose that almost childish curiosity of looking at things and questioning them. Like, why did they do it like that? And then actually, why didn't they do it like this? And trying to work through Mm. potentially a better way. And actually, what I found as a child was that my mum would invite my opinion. She would say, why do you think they did it like that? 
or when she was like fixing something she'd come and she'd show me and she'd say well why don't we do it this way instead and I think it's because her dad so my granddad was an engineer so he did that with her and then she did that with me although she didn't take on a career in engineering but she very much kind of possesses those principles and that inquisitive nature and I think it just it obviously trailed down from my grandfather down to me so I really have to credit the my granddad for that because I would go into his house and he would have put things just in very particular places to make his life easier like at his workbench in his in the garage he had screwed the lids of jars to the ceiling so that when he was working at his workbench he just unscrewed them with one of his hands and it, and he could pull out like the nuts and bolts he needed and then just keeping one hand on what he was doing and the other hand free and it was just things like that he would just be very efficient and obviously it's trickled down and I've that inquisitive nature of why do they do it like that that's something that we kind of ask ourselves on a day-to-day basis as engineers that's actually such a fascinating thing to hear as a parent too because it's so much easier just to do it yourself. <laughs> like it's so yeah. much easier just to be like, I'm just going to fix this by myself. Or I'm, you know, the other day our ice maker wasn't working and my husband had to like unload all of it. And you could tell the kids were all like, what's going on in there? Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. How is the ice made? And it's just, it's, it's so, it's too much to invite four children into a kitchen and be like, let's talk about how the ice is made. But truly that is inviting inquisitive nature, inviting them to be a part of the process. Like, I think that's such a special place of learning and inviting that curiosity. I think that's such a powerful way of like introducing kids, especially into technology, into, you know, starting to tinker around having these, these questions, because we didn't really grow up in a generation where we fixed our toasters. I mean, my parents did, you had a toaster, you fixed it. So you always tinkered. Like that was just part of human nature, we are very different. We're like, either it gets returned or we toss it. Like we get a new one. It's not something that we often explore tinkering about in. So as a 19 year old woman entering into this job at Dyson, how, like, I've only ever read stats. I don't know what it's like everywhere, but I've just heard that there is incredibly low graduate rates for women in technology, which in turn creates a low employee rate for tech companies. My husband works at a tech company. This is something they run into all the time is that they can't, they can't have always equal male to female ratio because they're not even, they're not Mm -hmm. even going to school for it. They're not even graduating from it and it needs to be more encouraged. But for you being in a very male dominated industry, how was that experience for you sort of stepping into it at such a young age as well, where people would Potentially, I'm not going to make accusations, but as night, I remember being 19 and like people treat you like you're 12. And on top of that, you're also like a woman in tech. How was that experience for you? And how did you sort of find your voice within it and start trusting that um, your voice was valued in this space? Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting point. It's something that I I'm constantly kind of reviewing just day to day how how it's feeling in the workplace and all these things. But I, I'm really lucky and fortunate to work at a company where I feel like all opinions are given mm. kind of equal value and all perspectives are are equally valued. So and actually, I think one thing that James Dyson was quite clear about when he set up the Dyson Institute is that he values the the perspective of the youth so 
fresh eyes on a problem like I think it, it's something you can whatever you're doing you can relate to is you can get really stuck in a problem whether it's revising your for your maths exam or you're just trying to fit stuff into a suitcase and you're just stuck like how did this fit in the suitcase before and I can't fit it back in now all these things and you can get stuck in the problem and then somebody can come in with fresh eyes and just say well yes. you just obviously do it like this <laughs> it just fits together like this and I feel like it's not necessarily like the youth perspective but it's a fresh set of eyes mm. sometimes it's just all you need but James Dyson was quite clear when he set up the Dyson Institute that he wanted to inspire the engineering leaders of the future. So I felt really inspired by that when I joined Dyson and I felt really empowered by that. So as a 19 year old coming in, obviously you can imagine I was just amazed by what kind of I landed in, which was the world of Dyson. And it was the world of just released the Dyson Supersonic and here's what's waiting in the wings, the Dyson Air app. And I was just amazed by it and I was excited and I felt like people were excited to have me there and to be part of this new program with the Dyson Institute and they were inviting my perspectives and and really I felt like I was really engaged and really given an opportunity to speak out in meetings and I've been lucky to have really good mentors throughout my career at Dyson both male and female who would invite me to speak in meetings if I if they felt like I was sitting back and I think that's really important because when you're new in your career, I think there's a tendency to kind of sit back and yeah. feel like, and I think just that sitting forward and, and speaking can, can be really difficult just to overcome that. So I always say to people when they're kind of asking me for advice, like younger people starting out in their engineering career, kind of how do you come that, if you're introverted, how do you yeah. overcome that and speak out and be confident in meetings? And I think, well, always start the meeting by saying hello to everyone and be vocal to start with because it then takes the pressure off Mm. you don't want to be vocal for the first time in the meeting when you've got something to say I think say hello meet everyone but actually sometimes that can be really difficult for people if you are introverted and if you if you are anxious about speaking up or potentially your opinion is the one that's different to everybody else in the room and that doesn't make it an invalid opinion and in engineering, we often need to hear the the one in 10 person who says, that's just not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've really valued those people who have seen me sit back sometimes if it's a discussion that I feel is quite technically complex or I feel like I don't necessarily fit in in the room. And they've invited me, what do you think? And it's as simple as that. Mm. And, and that can be anyone. And I think... It's really important to have people like that in the workplace who are going to create that stage and that platform for you where you might feel nervous to do it yourself. Yeah, I think that's really great advice too. I had this boss once that I remember I came in and my resume had like nothing on it. And I was like, I I don't have any experience. And he was like, great. We love that because then we're the ones who get to teach you and you don't have any bad habits from anywhere else. And you get to come in as like, like you said, these fresh eyes, this fresh perspective. And like, we kind of get to be the first ones to shape you. And at the same time, I think it's so cool when people have so much experience and they, they sort of open the floor for new opinions. Cause I, I think that's where a lot of change can happen. I think that 
for across all industries and all jobs and perspectives is like really opening up, even if you have all the world of experience, still being open to new perspectives. And like you said, really like inviting other people into the conversation, even if you're the most seasoned. And I also loved your advice about speaking in a way that's social first so that when it comes time for like being at being in a meeting and speaking and using your voice, you've already sort of gotten, you've already used it. You've already used it once. I think like for, I'm not an introvert, so like I don't relate, but <laughs> I I can only imagine that's, it almost feels unfair for those who are so introverted and have to go into careers where the only way that they progress forward is by like using their voice. And that can be so, mm. so intimidating. So I'm really glad you said that because I don't think I've ever heard that advice before, but let's talk about the air wrap because that was probably the most intimidating hair tool I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it sat in my drawer and I was like, I'm one day I'm going to try it. One day I'm going to try it. I just like, I can't do it. And then it blew up on TikTok, like the big fluffy hair and it blew up and it went from something that had kind of been around for a couple years to being one of the hottest ticket items ever, like power of social media. They were sold out completely here last Christmas. Everyone was fighting to get them. How was that, you know, sort of being at the beginning of the air wrap and seeing how magnificent it was, seeing what potential it had, but then it was like, even though it was well-received because it's like a different price point that people are used to with their hair tools, an entirely new type of technology that people hadn't stepped into before. And then on top of that, there wasn't a lot of people out there that were able to sort of show you how to use, it was a whole, it's almost like its own category of hair tool. And (laughs) I I had a friend the other day, Hunter McGrady, she was in her stories and she was like, I hate to break it to everybody. The air wrap is just as good as they say. And I was like, I (laughs) told you, like, it's, it's almost like, dang it. You like, didn't want to love it that much, but it's so good. But talk to me about like seeing it be from like, it's, it's starting point into being this like viral sensation of a product that people were going nuts for to the point that it's sold out. Yeah, of course. I, so I started Dyson in 2017. So we released the Dyson Supersonic in 2016, which was obviously our first hair care tool. That's really our heritage in hair care. Yeah. And it's so interesting because before that there had been little innovation in the in the hair care industry I mean previously to make a hair dryer faster at drying your hair you either needed to make it bigger or you needed to mm-hmm. make it hotter mm-hmm. so what Dyson decided to do was create their own motor which is a really small motor and it spins up to 110,000 revolutions per minute which is insane so the first time I actually saw the Dyson air wrap was when I walked into my first team at Dyson, which was in the Dyson Digital Motors team. So the same bright minds who invented this new motor. Mm. And I I actually first saw the air app in the lab. And I just remember saying to my manager, Sam, what is that? <laughs> and he said, oh, this is going to be our new curling tool. And I was like, just tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. yeah. And since then it's just been crazy like the attachments and obviously now the new attachments Mm -hmm. and it's just it really blew up and I remember in lockdown as well seeing it on my TikTok blowing up and I thought is it just my algorithm because obviously I'm yeah (laughs) but like everyone was and then all my friends messaging me asking me about the air app and should they get one I was like yes you should it really it just 
completely transformed my routine for how I do my hair. But I do think what what I personally love about it is the intelligent heat control because something that I'm so aware of now, especially working at Dyson, is obviously how many tools damage your hair. And obviously thermal heat damage is is irreversible. So mm-hmm. we want to kind of do everything we can to protect people's hair and and maintain the integrity of the hair. So the intelligent heat control, 40 times a second, we're measuring the temperature. So yeah, it's it's really nice to have the confidence in the tools that I'm using on my own hair as well. I'm lucky enough yeah. to to have hair and be able to use all the tools that we we create for our customers as well. So it's nice to be on both sides of it. Yeah, I, I'm somebody who went through extreme hair damage probably five, six years ago where all my hair broke at this one spot and I like all across my hair and I couldn't use a lot of heat. And I remember I bought like this new hair dryer and I spent so much money on it and it was still creating the same results over and over. And I finally, I was like, I have to make the investment. So I ended up getting the supersonic and it cut down my dry time. I didn't know it was because it had a really cool motor in yeah. it. That's really cool to hear. And then when it was the air app and I first started using it, I was like, oh, this is like, this is changing the texture of my hair because over time we're chipping away at no longer having all this heat damage. And so I remember when I first started talking about it and some people were like, but how could you spend that much money on a hair product? And I found this so interesting because it was something I use every day. Yet nobody would make that same line of questioning when it was a vacuum that you would use a couple times a week or even once a day. And I found it so fascinating that women were so almost not judgmental. Yeah, actually a little judgmental around how people were choosing to spend their money in technology on something like that, where you wouldn't bat an eye to like a $600 upgrade in your car or, you know, technology in your home or like a new vacuum. But it really was like, did you find that there was a lot of conversational hurdles on getting people to understand that the price point was reflective of the technology, not necessarily just like an average hair tool? Because I just, that's one of the things that have been really fascinating for me to talk about. Cause I'm like, I don't know. For me, it's been so worth it because I was spending hundreds of dollars trying to save my hair for years after that damage. To me, I love investing in something that I'm using every single day that's creating like better impact on me overall. I also understand you have to have the money to do it. However, I still think it's fascinating that people are so caught up on, you know, if the value is there. How has that hurdle sort of been as a brand? Obviously, it sold out, so it really didn't matter at the end of the day. But at the beginning, it being this new category of a hair product being so expensive, was that something that you anticipated being some a hurdle? Or was it something that you're like, you know what? We stand behind. We understand. Like, even talking, you like you invented a motor, like not you yeah. specifically, but your team, you know, inventing a motor to make this thing work. The air app is truly like so innovative. It blows my mind. But how was sort of those conversations as you entered the market with this entirely new product? Yeah, exactly. So obviously it's a, it's like you say, a really innovative product and those discoveries that we have to come across and the, the innovation that we do and the development that all, all takes time and investment. So that, that obviously is factored in. And then for me as well, I feel like it's cost per use, isn't it? I use my air app every day. Yeah. And I it, you you raise a really good point, like when you get take your car to get its MOT or you're using your your mobile phone, how often are you using that? For me, I, I use my air app every day. So it's mm-hmm. a real investment. And and I think 
for me, I, I definitely have been going to the hairdressers less because my hair is certainly less damaged thanks to things like the intelligent heat control. But obviously, yeah, it's it's the technology that the air app embodies and the the investment in the engineers who have been required to really lead the charge and mm. and optimize these things. So for example, the Coanda effect, which the air app embodies, which is an aerodynamics phenomenon discovered by a Romanian inventor actually called Henry Coanda. He discovered this aerodynamics phenomenon when he was working on jet airplanes, so aircraft. And Dyson engineers have figured out how they can utilize this phenomenon in a way to curl and style hair, which is just fascinating for me. I think taking something that was first observed on a plane to Mm. a hair tool, but it's these kind of scientific discoveries that 19, I can't remember when Henry Coanda discovered the Coanda effect, but obviously these engineers who are working to optimize and create the best possible tools to style our hair, that that all takes time and investment and all the testing that goes into that. So it's it's really interesting to see the the impact that it's had. And I think it's done it's done a really valuable education for for customers in in how important it is to kind of maintain the integrity of your hair. And how we can provide tools for you to do that as well. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I think it, it comes down to that conversation we had earlier about we didn't grow up in a generation where you fixed a toaster, right? So I <laughs> grew up where you just tossed your hair curler every year. Like it was never something that would last a long time or anything like that. So I really appreciate your like honest perspective of that because I think that it's something that as a consumer, you might not always understand the background of why something might be of a higher price point or what technology is involved in it. So what are some other things would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to being an engineer and like things you might love and things you might not love? Yeah, really interesting question. So at Dyson, we have something called the Jane Dyson Foundation foundation which is a charity and one of their is to get more young people into engineering so one of the things that they do is they ask young people as young as five years old to draw an engineer so really trying to figure out what a five-year-old thinks an engineer is and I think that's where you really get into what the misconceptions are and one of the things that commonly comes up is drawing like a mechanic so somebody in a boiler suit um, with like a spanner in one hand and a hammer in another and it's so fascinating because I'm I'm like, well, where did that come from? Mm. What five-year-old, it must be on TV or in a book or something. But that's one of the things that commonly comes up is people's perception of an engineer. And I think that holds true. That's when I tell people who I meet for the first time, oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, does that mean you're like out in a high vis with safety boots on and for some for some engineers that's true but for me that's certainly not the case I'm lucky enough to be able to wear my nice clothes and work in a very clean office and it's actually a very I think quite a glamorous job I I feel Mm. like I'm lucky to work in a in a company and also an industry I mean the hair care industry is, is brilliant I think I'm lucky enough to work in an industry where I feel like it's all about technology and leading the charge and we're really immersed in the science and the the true fundamentals of engineering and every day we're kind of on a day-to-day basis I think it's very hard to put a pin on that because Mm. 
every day is different because every day there's a new problem to solve but the common theme is is problem solving I think let's say for instance on the air app we one day I come in and it's okay well we're going to try and curl hair with air let's say yeah and then the next day it's okay well we're trying to do that and and how are we going to do it better how are we going to curl more hair how are we going to curl longer hair so every day is is a different problem that you're trying to solve and and something that doesn't work and you try to make it work and and that's how we really break the boundaries and and lead the charge which it's just super exciting it it really is what gets you out of bed in the morning because every day is different and every day you you just never know where the next good idea is going to come from (laughs) Do you think it's changed the way that you experience relationships or things with other people when you've become, your mind starts to wire towards being solutions-based versus like dwelling on necessarily like a problem? Like, has it changed outside of just work? Has it, is it caused you to sort of look at the world a little bit differently too? Yes, I do think so. I think when somebody like a friend comes to me with a problem, I go into solution mode. So let's say somebody's come to me and they're upset about something that's gone on in their workplace and I'll say well why don't you do this and this and and we can then approach it this way and have this conversation and sometimes they just don't want to hear that they're like no I just want to moan I just want to (laughs) I just want to moan and groan and we can have a drink and we'll feel better about it and I think so I I sometimes say to my friends like do you want help with the solution or do you just want to have a moan and Mm -hmm. I think it's really something to be aware of because I think that proactive like problem solving nature it's something that kind of holds true in all areas of my life so sometimes I have to kind of refrain and just ask do you even want my help with proposing a solution for this so yes definitely my husband's the same way and it drives me nuts because I'll just be like, today was this and like this happened. And he's like, okay, so what if we just went this way? And I was like, no, I just want to whine. <laughs> just let me unload on you for two seconds. But then I also appreciate it. My manager was always like this. She's like, this is a lot. You're feeling a lot of feelings right now. We don't have time to process them. Let's go to the solution and let's come back to how you feel. Yeah. And then we'll process that. But in this exact moment, we've got an hour of time. Let's go straight to like, how can we, you know, sort of like triage the problem a little bit. And so I think it's a really important like skill set to have to sort of it because I think it can be hard to also get caught up in dwelling on things too, right? And being solutions based first can be really, it can be really helpful in a time of stress. I will say that because it's something I've been working on for the last couple years, especially when it comes to like my house gets disorganized instead of like dwelling on like how badly I feel about it, just like just chipping away at like little bits of it here and there. I did want to ask though, and we touched a little bit on this, but I would love to hear from you a little bit more on how you think we can encourage other young girls to get involved in engineering and in STEM. Can you explain what STEM is first as well, just for anybody listening? Of course. Yeah. So STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. So really an embodiment of all the subjects that you'll be able to utilise in a in a many different industries, which we call STEM. But companies like Dyson will require many STEM-focused individuals mm-hmm. in order to develop their technologies and their products. So what do I think would encourage more young girls into STEM? Well, like I said, I was really lucky throughout my childhood to be encouraged with my curiosity and I think that's something that I would 
encourage all people who are exposed to to really young minds to do whether that's parents or teachers or even just if you're in a shop and a little child comes up to you and says why are the sweets next to the chocolate (laughs) just to (laughs) encourage that curiosity I think I think it's like it's it's just fascinating the the kind of questions children ask really Mm -hmm. actually sometimes are very interesting when they question things like why is it done like that because sometimes it has me thinking well you're completely right it shouldn't be like that (laughs) we should do it better but I do think that that you should always encourage that curiosity and always try and give a valid answer and and never say oh stop asking questions because if somebody had stopped me from asking questions it would have stifled my curiosity and I don't think it would have I I don't think I would have ended up pursuing a career where I'm I'm having to be curious and having to question things on a day-to-day basis I think that I was lucky throughout my teaching at school to have really brilliant teachers and really great role models my maths and further maths teachers when I did my A-levels at my school in Amptill in the UK they I, I had two female teachers in my upper sixth studies we call it in the UK so just before you go to university and they were just brilliant role models and they didn't do anything different because they were women they didn't treat me differently because I was one of the only women in the class they just were great teachers and they just Mm -hmm. encouraged me and they encouraged everybody everybody else in the room but I just felt like I was really part of something and I felt really inspired and I felt I really looked forward to their lessons and I really looked forward to solving the problems in class and my solutions being invited to be shared and and the same with my physics teachers as well and I was really lucky that I had really great teachers and I think that's something that's really important when you're when you're a child is to have teachers who encourage you and really thrive when you when you're being curious and when you're asking if you challenge the teacher well why did you do it that way mm. you can imagine some teachers would find that a difficult question to answer well I'm the teacher this is the way we do it but actually just because they're teachers doesn't mean they're always right yeah yeah I think teachers should be well thank you for asking that question this is why I do it this way but actually let's explore another solution Mm -hmm. because there can be in in maths there can be hundreds of different ways of getting to the same answer and my teachers were quite happy to go around the classroom and say well Neve how did you do it and Tom how did you do it and they'd be happy to take on different paths to getting to the same solution and I think that is engineering to me that is just finding different ways and different paths and challenging the conventional route and I think having teachers that really encourage that I can't stress how important that Mm. is and how much that's impacted me yeah I I I, this has been my mantra lately just about I was thinking about it when it came to a decision I had to make for one of my kids and it just felt like I was seeking the one right answer. And sort of ever since that day, I was like, I've really had to give myself that expansive thought process where it's not about there being a singular right way to do anything. There's many right ways. There are so many. And I think when we open up our minds to that possibility, 
that there isn't one right way to get a career. There's no one right way to fix something. There's there's so many different avenues in which I'm sure there's nuance to that. But overall, I, I like that you're sort of even encouraging that within the way that we have conversations with youth and the way that we encourage teaching and learning and looking at things from new angles and different possibilities. And I also think you're right. I think a lot of curiosity as a child gets stifled. And I have a 20 month old and whenever she zooms, like if you like zoom a car towards her, the first thing she does is picks it up and looks at the bottom of it. Like, how did that just happen? (laughs) They it's from such a young, young, young age. And I grew up in an all girl household. So I remember my dad giving me my own toolkit and I really never, I remember my mom saying to me, like, don't ever wait for like a man to fix everything for you. Like learn how to do things yourself as well. And I've carried that as much as possible throughout the years, not without a ton of faults, but I think that that's, it's especially important for girls, like to be able to feel like they can contribute, that they can give ideas, that they can look at different pathways to things that they can bring their own unique perspective And so that hopefully in the next, like if this generation now starts speaking into youth as if they are, and it's not in the way of like, just boys go out and help fix the car with dad. It's really inviting. It's something I'm going to change just from this conversation. I'm going to tell you right now, I want my kids to be more curious. I need to be less annoyed when they want to, when they want to be involved in fixing something and bring them in to be a part of it, because I really do want to encourage that type of thinking. And I, especially for girls, like I would love to see them do something like you've done, like where they really step into spaces where they get to be curious every day. I, I love that so much. I have a friend, Jam Gamble. She speaks so much on how much children are shushed and that oftentimes they're just looking to use their voice, but they're shushed and they're shushed and they're shushed because they haven't learned boundaries for that yet. And eventually they become an adult and, and that you don't want to shush a child into adulthood where they don't know how to use their own voice. And I would say the same to everything that you're saying today, which is invite curiosity, invite girls into that conversation. That's, what's going to be potentially the change that we see in order for more girls to become like women who are engineers and women in tech and really change those numbers and really change the industry. Because clearly it's been pretty remarkable to see even what Dyson has done in the last, you know, several years and knowing that it's because of men and women behind that. That's such a special, that's such a special thing. Thank you so much for everything today. This has been such a delight. I don't think I expected to be this inspired about talking about being curious and everything, but I think it's such an important message. Um, if there any, if there's anything else you'd like to send us off with before we go or anywhere that we can sort of get more curious about what Dyson's up to, please let us know now. Yeah, I think for me, I just, I'd like to, if a message to my younger self would be just don't let anybody tell you no, because I, I personally, I'm really inspired by James Dyson's story. I mean, he started Dyson when he was in his 40s and he made over 5,000 prototypes of the first vacuum cleaner. And if somebody had told him no, just no, on the the 3,500, then Dyson would never be what it is now. And I just think that's such a powerful message for whether you're deciding what, what you should study at university or deciding what career to go into if you want to do something don't let anybody tell you no that's not that that won't work for you or that I don't see that for you I think 
if you have ambition and you're curious and you have passion I think you can you can really do anything and obviously James Dyson is the perfect embodiment of that and I didn't even know that about him that's incredible yeah five thousand years over five thousand prototypes so and obviously if he had given up on the five thousand one hundred and twenty six then Dyson wouldn't be what it is now and I wouldn't have studied for my engineering degree with the Dyson degree apprenticeship so yeah it's a really fascinating story and I yeah I'd encourage people to to read into those many many people who have really fascinating stories like that and obviously James Dyson is one of them very aptly but yeah I would encourage just be passionate be curious and and just don't take no for an answer (laughs) I love that he also started his career at 40 because as we've been sitting and talking about youth being encouraged into it also just like, you know, I'm 37, like the reality being like in three years, I could come up with an idea or want to be a part of something. And you can totally change the trajectory of your life that way by just staying curious about things, I think is just so, so inspiring. Neve, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing with us. This was such an incredible conversation. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have some notes in the show notes for you, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, pink papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, pink papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.